Welcome to Health System CIO's Partner Perspective Interview. I'm Anthony Guerra, Editor-in-Chief. Combining data from disparate sources into something that's meaningful isn't easy, but that's the challenge health systems face today as they shift from making sick people healthy to keeping healthy people out of the hospital. On the positive side of the ledger, there are many robust tools that can take data and turn it into reports. However, on the negative side is the fact that without sound data governance, garbage in, those reports won't be worth the paper they're printed on, garbage out. In this illuminating interview, HealthLink advisors Tina Burbine and Mark Pasquale break down the epic analytics and population health environment and offer advice on how IT departments can ensure they're not just working on interesting things, but the right things. Hi, Mark and Tina. Thanks so much for joining me today. Looking forward to having uh, a nice chat today. Um, and I believe we're going to go over some things about EPIC and population health and risk management analytics. So it's going to be an exciting talk. Uh, before we, we get going into our, the meat of our conversation, um, do you want to give me a little bit about your organization and your roles there? Um, Mark, you want to start us off? Sure, and good morning. It's a pleasure to have the opportunity to meet with you today as well. Um, my name is Mark Pasquale. I'm a vice president with HealthLink Advisors. Uh, I joined uh, HLA earlier this year. Uh, as far as my background, over the last uh, 10 years, uh, I served as a chief information officer uh, for two different health systems. Uh, I've been uh, in information technology uh, my uh, entire career. At, uh, with um, with HealthLink Advisors, as the Vice President, I'm responsible for um, working with our teams on, um, as we, uh, as we, to support uh, thought leadership and overall quality of product deliverables. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. Tina? Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate being here with you today. Uh, I'm the Director of Analytics, and I've got a background in engineering and am Hadoop certified. Um, I'm always happy to be talking about analytics, so appreciate having this conversation with us. And I would love to share a little bit more about HealthLink Advisors since we are an independent advisory firm and we focus on serving the CIO and other operational leaders in healthcare organizations. Okay, so today we're going to talk about some of the trends in the marketplace that you've identified at HealthLink Advisors, largely due to inquiries that customers are making of you looking for help. And specifically, you're seeing an issue around Epic customers and their need for population health and risk management analytics. So my first question to you is, what are the business needs that the technologies are trying to help health systems with? Tina, you want to start us off? Sure. Well, as health systems are continuing to expand their population health programs, they have this need to integrate patient reported data, public data like social determinants, device streams, um, and more with their existing EHR data. But as I rattled through all of those different data types, they're very different in nature. And so the ability to collect those and use it in a combined fashion is challenging for a lot of the health organizations. Um, something that we hear a lot about are the business stakeholders who, when trying to describe their organization's analytics, 
claim that it's missing information or it's missing data. So they end up spending a lot of time trying to manually extract the information that they're after and combine it for their own use on their desktops. And when individuals are doing that, it's extremely time-consuming, um, not to mention risky. Um, a great example of this is we hear a lot of times we would love the ability to combine our cost data with our clinical information so we can have some interesting analytics uh, to focus on around, for instance, joint replacement um, and make any um, adjustments as needed around that. Um, another example is the growth that health systems are going through around their at-risk contract growth and an area that they want to continue to expand in. But in order to do that, a health system needs uh, visibility into how to determine and negotiate what their acceptable levels of financial risk are going to be. Um, those types of things requires, you know, contract modeling um, and the ability to monitor their financial performance overall as well. And so these examples are all uh, have one thing in common, which is using data to inform their decisions. And so these health systems are really excited to leverage new technology that they're hearing about um, in the industry, like machine learning and artificial intelligence to help them accomplish this, but it's complicated and um, it's really difficult to understand how to begin doing that. Very good. Are, are there requests that you get um, mostly from the IT leaders or the business leaders? The requests come from both. We find that the requests come from both the business side and the IT side. As, as IT works with the organization to, uh, to address the, the initiatives that the organization may have with clinical quality, patient safety, as well as operational management initiatives, the requests for leveraging the information contained in the EMR to help support those initiatives comes from both sides. All right, very good. Do you want to just tell me some more about uh, Epic's analytics environment? Yes. So within the Epic environment, there are three different data stores. There's Chronicles, there's Clarity, and then there's Caboodle. And there are different front-end reporting tools within the Epic ecosystem that enable teams to extract information, um, support dashboards, et cetera, um, from all of those. But Caboodle is the Epic cloud-based analytics environment that incorporates their predictive analytic models. Um, and it can also be used to collect and store non-EHR data also. Um, Epic has put a lot of focus into maturing this analytics platform offering over the past few years, and the industry is beginning to recognize that. Um, but what's interesting is that for any health system to understand how to best use some of these available pr predictive analytic models um, begins by understanding how to support what the strategic goals are of an organization and stay deliberately focused on the measures that are needed and aligned to those objectives. Um, what I mean by that is that there are a lot of really fun and cool things that a data scientist or a senior analyst can do in the Caboodle environment, 
but understanding and aligning the priority of their work to support the measures and metrics that are meaningful for the strategic objectives is key so that they're working on the right things at the right time and creating meaningful analytics um, from, the, from an enterprise-wide mindset um, that's serving the business in the best possible way. Give me more uh, information about what the requests are, what the problem is. Let's start with uh, the Epic products names because they are definitely unique. So uh, starting with Healthy Planet, that's Epic's population health tool and uh, represents um, everything that they incorporate for a holistic approach to care management while their analytics platform is called Cohedo. Um, which, by the way, everybody seems to have a different pronunciation of, uh, even within the EPIC team. So we always enjoy um, listening to, to how everybody approaches that. Um, but in the, in the landscape of the analytics vendor marketplace, Cohedo um, has actually offered more progress in terms of capabilities with the expansion of their roadmap over the past couple of years than any other analytics platform. And what that means is that Epic has actually expanded into leveraging cloud-based technologies such as Microsoft's Azure platform in order to help them do that. And I wanted to take a minute and mention it because to our points earlier about the um, complexities around bringing different data sets together for the use of um, the business, it's important to be able for a health organization to use the technology that they have and integrate it into their patient care. So in the example of Epic, Cohedo and Healthy Planet are tools within the Epic ecosystem that are integrated and enable cognitive machine learning algorithms to be leveraged accordingly within the patient coordination workflows. So for instance, uh, a patient with opioid abuse risk indicators are identified in Cohedo and integrate into the care management through Healthy Planet. Um, another good example is AMI risk with the Cohedo algorithm identifying an, AI, an AMI risk for a patient in the ED that will appear in the chart view so a clinician can easily see it, but it will also appear in a care coordinator's workflow from Healthy Planet. So these are, are challenging tools to use uh, and, and, and folks are looking for assistance in managing all this? Is that the best way to describe it? So we actually think about the fact that integrating the technology like machine learning and artificial intelligence is becoming more commonplace for organizations to be able to focus and produce the types of analytics that they uh, require. And uh, as they continue to mature through their own data maturity processes, um, they also have to ensure that the technology aligns to help support them in accomplishing that. So determining how to integrate these types of uh, advanced analytics capabilities is complicated for a health system in understanding where to begin and how to prioritize. And just to, so what uh, has, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Mark. Go just ahead, Mark. to add on to that, as Tina was, um, as was mentioning, the, the tool sets continue to mature uh, at a rapid rate. Uh, for example, with, uh, with Epic's Cogito, 
uh, and I obviously I pronounce it a little differently. As <laughs> Tina was mentioning, it's, it's uh, many people pr- uh, pronounce it different ways. But with Kogodo, uh, it's expanded tremendously over the last couple of years. Um, they, they, as Tina mentioned, they leverage Microsoft Azure uh, as a, a cloud-based platform. Uh, but they've also they're also make, they've also opened it more. So if you want to develop your own algorithms, if you have your own internal uh, data science or analytics development group, and you write in Python or you write in R or you write in SAS, you can actually integrate. Uh, the uh, these data science technologies, these these, uh, these ML technologies uh, within Epic's Cogito platform uh, against the data. So they do have it uh, broken into those different categories where you acquire the information uh, through multiple sources. So if if you want to um, if, if you want to leverage Internet of Things, if you want to leverage Fire APIs. Uh, for bringing in data from external sources, um, if you want to leverage standard CCDs, which is which was basically developed as a part of the um, initial was leveraged for, as part of the initial meaningful use uh, interoperability uh, capability. So there's a there's a variety of ways that Cogito can um, acquire information, and then you organize it through their cognitive ML, which is their cloud-based Azure platform. Uh, Caboodle, which is their enterprise data management warehouse uh, for like bringing in claims data and other sources where all that data that's been acquired is, is organized. And of course, you've got the Chronicles layer, which is the actual cache core database. So that's how they've organized it through data acquisition, through data organization, through data governance, by making sure through the data governance side that you have, you're leveraging your, um, uh, your, your catalog, your different algorithms, um, and then you go through different visualization tools. They have uh, Epic has uh, several tools available already, like uh, uh, Slicer Dicer. They have uh, Radar, which is the real-time dashboards. Uh, they have Metric Alerts. Uh, they have uh, iOS dashboards for um, uh, called Canto. It's a product called Canto that runs on your iOS device. Um, so they, that's how they've organized it. And they're, as it continues to mature and grow, which it has significantly over the last couple of years. Um, they continue to expand the capabilities, uh, and they continue to make it more open architecture. Yeah. I think for every organization it's a challenge. Um, As Mark was sharing, the different uh, reporting tool types that are available within the Epic ecosystem to be able to understand how to obtain um, data through a very usable way and help the team understand within their ecosystem where to go for the information that's meaningful to them. Your advice to to customers that come to you, is there any general set of advice that you're giving? Uh, I would imagine a lot of it is customer specific based on their situation, ecosystem, maturity, and all that. Um, but what's your general advice when people are coming to you asking for help in this area? So I'll start with talking about um, the financial performance management of at-risk contracts since we mentioned that a few minutes ago. You know, this is an area that uh, the EHR vendors currently do not do well, and so we always share with clients that it's really important to evaluate what a health system's business criteria is to determine if a niche tuck-in tool to support um, that financial performance management uh, capability 
is going to be beneficial and complement the existing EHR. So it really comes back to understanding what are the strategic goals of an organization and uh, what does that mean for the business requirements that align to any possible niche tools that could be integrated and tucked into and complement their existing EHR system. It's also really important to understand the tool sets. Uh, very, uh, by the way, I agree exactly with what uh, Tina just said. It's also very important for the health system to understand the tool sets they've already invested in. Um, there, there are sometimes or uh, most of the time opportunities to leverage technology uh, that that's already internal to the organization and potentially has not been uh, t uh, maximized in its capabilities. Uh, for example, um, Epic provides... Uh, a core set of algorithms. When you go live on Kogado, uh, there there are a core set of algorithms that you can leverage immediately for, and you can select. So they have a library of over 40 different ML algorithms, and you can select the uh, the ones that are most important for what you're trying to drive from a clinical quality and patient safety perspective. So you select those. You can go live on that subset. So you may want to uh, you may want to leverage uh, uh, sepsis, for example, which a lot of organizations uh, really focus on. Uh, so that is part of the uh, of the uh, Cogito, uh ML uh, algorithm library, and so you can leverage those. And then you want to look to see what where your program wants to go and what current tools and technologies can do to help you get there. Yeah. And there's another factor as well. You know, Mark alluded to it briefly when he used the word data governance. Um, but this is an important element that has to be factored in anytime we're talking about analytic tool sets or platforms. Because in order to produce meaningful analytics, there must be high quality data in the source systems to begin with. So um, what's important and critical overall is that effective analytic programs require a health system to create a data movement and shift the culture of their organization so that everyone on their team is treating data as an enterprise asset. Um, we like to uh, share with our clients that there are three foundational analytic truths that are one, analytics have to be a stated priority. Two, the organization itself has to be clear on data sources, data ownership, and the intended use of that information. And three, that end users trust that data and are engaged in helping to maintain its authenticity. So this data discipline is re that's required to support these analytic truths are not going to be provided from an analytics platform solution. Right, and the trust comes from the discipline, right? One flows from the other. Exactly. That's exactly right. Right. Um, regarding the Epic products that we went over, are there any scenarios that you've seen where the best product for an Epic customer is not the Epic product? You know, it, what's interesting is that there's such a wide variety of analytic platforms on the market that it's important to understand the differences between them because the way a platform integrates and processes your data has a profound effect on whether or not it's going to serve a health organization well. And every vendor has their own unique blend of architecture and integration capabilities along with areas that they're still maturing in. Um, Epic is no exception to this. 
Um, another example is, um, you know, IBM, they acquired Vital and Explorers and rebranded it to Watson Health, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the databases behind those two systems have been integrated or can share data uh, yet. And so while it might be on a product roadmap to do that in the future, it's important to understand that what's available now and how that's going to impact the health system's workflows based on the types of things that are deemed a priority for that organization. So it really comes back to understanding what are, what are our clear strategic priorities at the executive level and what is that map to in terms of the type of metrics and of course the data domains that are needed to support those. And, and then comparing that to the capabilities of the current infrastructure and tool sets that an organization has in place, bearing in mind the type of functionality that Coheto and Epic can support, and then determining if any niche or tuck-in products might be needed as well. So we got, you, know, you have a number of options an organization can be looking at. They can live with the Epic product. Um, they can they can live with the product, but get a supplementary niche product. And I don't know if you want to go into specifically into the, the niche products a little more. You can go off the Epic product, which is probably rare, but you could do that and go with another solution. But as you said, then you've got your back-end integration issues. And getting away from those issues is one of the things that makes Epic and other uh, sort of full-boat solutions so popular. Um, so what are your thoughts around there? Any more thoughts around just the options open and analyzing them as an Epic customer? So I think what's really important to keep in mind when we think about the Epic ecosystem and the functionality that it's serving to the health organizations that are leveraging um, Epic and other EHR uh, platforms is that there are always going to be other data sources that are just as important as the information that lives in the EHR itself. And so those types of things could be anything from blood bank and ACO claims and eligibility information, uh, data from Prescani, uh, scheduling information, possibly from tools like uh, Clairvea, um, and then other sources as well. There's Lawson, uh, you know, that accounts for some HR, uh, accounting information, supply chain data, um, Kronos, for instance, for timekeeping information. And so it's very important to be able to evaluate and understand that driving this information into an analytics environment, whether that's Epic Cohito's environment or another, is going to require an invested effort in both aligning a data discipline across the organization in addition to the tool sets themselves. And so the way that an organization can accomplish that also depends on the type of staffing they've invested in. So Mark alluded to earlier, you know, some organizations have the ability to have data scientists on staff to help support the type of uh, algorithm development that's needed to leverage some of the models within Coheto. And others require some professional services support in order to accomplish that. And so those are some of the factors that need to be considered when outlining uh, an analytics strategy that represents how the tool sets are going to come together to support the data that's needed to drive uh, better patient outcomes. Any more thoughts around Epic's product development timeline? Do you have any more information about that you could share? 
uh, last year they switched from an annual release to a more of a, a rapid application development approach where they, uh, they're coming out with quarterly releases and updates. Um, they're, uh, they have a roadmap for, uh, a defined roadmap for both their uh, Kogo Analytics as well as Healthy Planet uh, platform uh, and its capabilities, um, which each have each currently has uh, core capabilities of, like on the acute care side, of things you can already report out on, like um, uh, I mentioned early detection of sepsis. There's uh, unplanned readmissions. There's, in, there's fall risk, in-hospital fall risk. Uh, there's um, ICU mort uh, mortality benchmarking. Those capabilities are already there. Uh, they're coming out with additional capabilities in the near future, like uh, Oh, unplanned, unplanned readmission, acute kidney injury uh, on the acute care side, on the pop health side, um, same same type of current capability. They've got uh, uh, things on the pop health side like notification for hospitalization for heart failure, uh, negative outcomes of type 2 diabetes, risk of hypertension, and they're, they're expanding that uh, to have things like um, uh, uh, end-of-life care index and some other uh, core features within Pop Health. Um, on the op side, they're expanding that platform as well. Uh, they currently have things like uh, oh, no-show appointments, uh, uh, remaining length of stay, um, uh, those types of features in ops for current dashboard reporting. So uh, as they come out with these different uh, quarterly releases, they're, they are continually enhancing the platforms with the capabilities that it currently has, as well as some of the new features that I just mentioned that will be coming up in the next uh, couple of iterative releases. I've heard people sort of debating the concept of subscription versus licensing pricing. Um, do you have any thoughts there on how people can evaluate what's right for them? I think looking at the overall total cost of ownership uh, is very important. As Tina mentioned, it's very important to uh, look at what you want to accomplish from an overall analytics capability perspective and apply that to uh, the tool sets that are available and then uh, really do a, a thorough total cost of ownership to understand which model would be best for your organization. Uh, some vendors are pure subscription-based while others are perpetual license with uh, annual maintenance. So it, it just it comes down to the analysis of what product is best for your organization uh, and where you want to go, where you want to take your program, uh, and then a, a good, solid total cost of ownership. Very good. Um, I think that's about all I had today. Is there, are there any other points you wanted to touch on, or do you want to offer any final words of advice uh, for folks who are dealing with these challenges? Yes. I, you know, oftentimes we talk about health organizations feeling that in order to produce better analytics, a new or better platform is going to solve their challenge. And, you know, something that uh, we talk a lot about with our clients is that tool sets don't address an organization's data maturity. So it's really important to ensure that there are good data habits in place to align with the types of analytics an organization needs. Um, and that overall, data maturity is just not something that can be bought. Mark? I agree. I think it's very, right. important, very, very important oh, for organizations. 
I'm sorry. I think it's very important important for an organization to uh, thoroughly evaluate the tools and technologies that they have uh, currently invested in uh, and uh, align that to their overall organizational needs. Yeah, it really sounds like um, what you're seeing quite a bit are people coming in uh, wanting the tool to fix the problem, and you sort of have to direct them back to data governance. You can't do much with bad data, right? I mean, you can make it look pretty. You can print great reports, but if it's, if it's not good data to begin with, those reports aren't worth, what, worth much. So you kind of have to redirect them back to sound data governance as, as sort of a, a foundational step. Uh, would that be correct, Tina? Exactly. And I think what's becoming commonplace is that these platform vendors understand the importance of data governance and will oftentimes market that their tool will take care of a gov data governance workflow. Um, some of them offer things like um, badges or approval status where uh, somebody who is uh, a a named data steward can click that that's been approved and magically that data is of uh, high quality or should be considered high quality um, for business use. But that functionality does not replace the workflow and the good data habits that must be followed in order to enable somebody to click that box that says this data is of high quality. And I think that's a really hard thing for health systems to understand because the workflow and the data discipline and that data movement that represents a cultural shift um, is not something that's tangible um, like a tool set is. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating um, because you could see everyone would love to have a tool to fix the thorny problem. So the business wants good data. They are, you know, their wish list is that this tool tell IT to go get a tool, and that'll solve their problem. But as you said, that's not the case. A data governance tool uh, or a data analytics tool is not going to fix your problem. You can't get away from that painful, hard, long, difficult work of data governance, which has to do with committees, getting uh, end users involved, clinicians, meetings, uh, all kinds of things that are very difficult. And, you know, all that human-to-human -human stuff, that's the hard stuff. And that's what data governance is all about, compromises, people not getting exactly what they want, having to compromise for the greater good of the organization. Um, it just sounds like that's such a huge part of what's going on. Uh, so, Tina, Tina, is that it? Is, it? is it sort of this is just the hard work you can't get around, uh, and no matter how much you want to? And it's hard work, and people don't want to do it because it's so difficult. Is that, is that correct? So, yes, that is correct. We liken the coaching and amount of effort that a data movement uh, requires to happen successfully um, back to the cultural shift that organizations experienced in the late 90s when everybody was focused around patient safety. And all of a sudden it became commonplace that everybody, regardless of what role they served in, had some ownership and an expectation that they were going to be involved in supporting uh, patient safety and minimizing fall risk and all of the different things that, 
that uh, go along with that. And there was a very concentrated effort about standardizing workflows to help make that happen. All of a sudden, nurses were having input into and communicating about the things that they were noticing of a patient that would help uh, identify a fall risk, for instance. Um, different tools and alerts were put into place to help support that. For instance, um, alerts within a pharmacy upon an opioid uh, prescription being filled would automatically alert a care team that somebody uh, is an inpatient um, was now considered a fall risk and potentially bed rails would be uh, put into place to help support that patient better. And so all of the things that I'm talking through around that really crafted a con concentrated effort by everybody um, at the executive level throughout the organization with ongoing coaching and mentoring that was transpiring over a lengthy period of time to make sure that everybody understood what their role was in that. And that is a perfect analogy that we feel represents the amount of effort and coaching that's required to support an effective data movement when implementing data governance. All right, Tina and Mark. Well, I think that is fantastic. Uh, uh, great information for our audience. I really appreciate it. I want to thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Partner Perspective interview from Health System CIO. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our iTunes feed at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcasts.